Spirit to be in God's house this morning. Um, God had been dealing with me with this um, message for quite some time. So, yeah, when Sean, uh, when Pastor had asked me, I was just like, because sometimes God will give you a word and it's just for you. And then sometimes he'll give you a word and he opens the door for you to share it. And for a while, I thought this was just for me until Pastor contacted me and that let me know that it's a word for me to share. So if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading in Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 9 through 11. And Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep For all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you'll stretch your hands towards heaven, pray with me and for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you for the presence we already feel in this house. For the move, Lord Jesus, that you have already done. Lord, we pray right now, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would open up ears, eyes, and hearts to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay to bring forth your message. Lord, save, sanctify, fill with your Holy Spirit, and we'll never fail to give you all the glory, all the honor. And all the praise in your holy name. Amen. Now, in this passage of scripture, we have Ezra speaking to a remnant of Israel who had returned to Judah to rebuild the city and its temple. It was a time of restoration, not only of the ruined city, but also the obedience of the law of God. There was sorrow and weeping when the people heard God's law and realized how far they had gone away from its teaching. They had a heart of repentance. But Ezra told them to rejoice and celebrate because of the restoration, the returning to the ways of God. God's law was now being obeyed again after such a long lapse. This caused God and the people to be glad and rejoice. The restoration gave joy to the Lord, and his joy was the strength of the people. In the same way, when a remnant of God's church repents, returns to the covenant mediated by Christ, and restore obedience to his word, then God is glad, and the joy of the Lord is their strength. Now, we get this confused a lot of times. And we use this scripture a lot. I've heard it throughout my lifetime. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And for the longest time, the joy in the Lord is your strength. It's how a lot of people interpret it. As long as I'm joyful in God, and as long as I'm joyful in what He is doing, that's my strength. But that is not what the scripture said. That is not what Ezra said. He said the joy of the Lord. It's not my joy in him. It's his joy in what I'm doing becomes my strength. So how is God 
joyous. How is God joyous? When we walk in his word, when we walk in his way. Deuteronomy 5 and 33 says, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. So it brings joy when we walk in his way. It brings joy when we stay in his word. When we abide in him. John 15 and 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. When we abide in him, it brings joy to the Lord. And in return, gives us our strength. When we keep his commandments. John 14 and 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. It's that simple. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So when we walk in his way and abide in his word and abide in him, when we keep his commandments and when we trust in him and his promises, this scripture has to be one of my favorites because when my dad was sick, He's been gone almost four, we're going on four years now. But uh, when my dad was sick and he had his first stroke and uh, they took him to uh, London Hospital, my dad could not speak a word. He, he, he couldn't say anything to us. He didn't even recognize who we were. But out of his mouth, he said, he who promised is faithful. And I looked at him and I said, what? And I mean, he was not even in his right mind. His eyes opened wide and he said, he who promised is faithful. So I found this scripture and this became the scripture that we held on to and I still hold on to. And it holds true when we trust in him and his promises. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. If he told you he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If you're holding on to a promise that he gave you years ago, believe he is faithful and it will come to pass. He gets joy when we hold on to his promises. Our main focus should be him and him alone. But we find ourselves in a trap. We find ourselves when we speak about joy. One thing that we think it's the joy that we have in him. And then we convert that over to being happy. Now, happy and joy is two different things, and I'm not going to go into that. But we think that, well, I've got Christ in my life. My joy is in him. I should be great and dandy, and I should be strong, and I should be happy all the time. It's a trap. I've got news for you. You're not going to be happy all the time. And so people are just like, I'm going to give up because I just want to be happy. Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to be happy? No. No, there's not. But I'm seeing in the world today that we are allowing this emotion. We are allowing being happy to guide and direct our lives, our decisions, and we are allowing it to determine our walk with Christ and our walk with others. And we miss the mark. We live in a society today that tells us, do what makes you happy. Love who makes you happy. Make yourself happy. 
And my favorite, which is back in my day, and it's going to tell my age, don't worry, be happy. So what does happy mean? Happy is a feeling. Happy is fortunate. It's convenient. But it doesn't last. It's emotional. But the joy of the Lord lasts. So what are we called to be as children of God? And I'm talking about blood-bought, born-again children of God. Does he ask us to be happy? Or does he command us to be holy? 1 Thessalonians 4 and 4 and 8, it says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, whom he also given us the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy 1 and 9 said, He who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which has given us in Christ Jesus before time began. We are called to be holy. When we abide by what we are called to do, happiness will follow. More than that, the joy of the Lord will overflow, and with that comes our strength. When we focus on Him, when we begin to live holy, strongholds are broken and we begin to create a firm foundation the world can't give you this type of joy and strength nor can it take it away Matthew 16 and 18 says and I also say to you our Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it when we repent when we return to the ways of God when we begin to abide in him walk in his ways turn from sin he becomes joyous, and in return, we get our strength. But God doesn't just offer strength through his joy. He also sent us a way to have power. And this is where it leads to the title of my sermon. Strength, which is God's joy, plus power equals unstoppable. When we have the joy of the Lord, he becomes our strength. But that's not it. He also offered us power, which in return will make us unstoppable. John 14, 15, and 18. Jesus said, of course, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said, I pray the Father, he will give you another. Not someone else. But another, meaning same as. With the same ability. The same anointing as I have. And he will dwell in you. 
I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Luke 24 and 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And if you've been in Pentecost for very long, you should know Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, and this is when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And they were all in one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I'm reminded when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we know that when we begin to live holy and abide in God's Word, we walk in His way, we hold fast to His promises, His joy will be our strength. But then He wants to give us the power which is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of a sermon my father had preached a few times. It was and is one of my favorites. And he talked about the anointing of the baptism. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the anointing that follows, he talks about the ingredients that God had given Moses for the anointing oil back in Exodus to anoint Aaron. And so anytime someone brings up why is it important to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is what I think of. Because each ingredient, and if you've known me anytime, every word in the scripture means something. Like I said, the joy of the Lord, that small little of is a huge difference. The same goes for the ingredients. God was very specific about the ingredients that he wanted into the holy anointing oil. And holy means to set apart, to be sacred. And this is what God gave Moses in Exodus 30, 22 and 25. He says, moreover, the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, Take thou also unto three principal spices of myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet cinnamon, half so much, and even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and and, an oil olive a hen. Now the scripture, like I said, gives specific ingredients, and we're going to go through those. But he said that he wanted to be holy set apart. And I want to talk about just for a little bit, what is it to be holy? What is holiness? If we want to be anointed, if we want the Holy Spirit to move, if we want Him to manifest in our lives, we must strive to be holy. Holiness is purity of heart and mind. Freedom from defilement and condemnation. Holiness is love, it's joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Holiness is God's nature. Holiness is separation from sin. Whether you think it's big or whether you think it's little, holiness is separation from it all. Holiness is God's standard of living for His people. And holiness is a command of God. 1 Peter 1 and 16 says, For it is written, Be ye holy as I am holy. So, the ingredients I want to go through. Why is it important, Shauna, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why is it important to have that anointing? Well, the first ingredient that God gave Moses was 500 shekels of myrrh. Now, when you tap into a myrrh tree, you better have your bucket ready. Myrrh is very free-flowing. comes out fast. 
It's not like your maple syrup or even a rubber tree. It takes a while to process and for it to come out. When you tap into myrrh, it's free-flowing. The Holy Spirit is free-flowing. There's no need to pump him up, prime him up, or push him up, as my dad would say. But when you have a hunger for the Spirit, a longing for his presence, the anointing will flow. When you allow him, he will flow freely and abundantly in your life. But you have to allow him, and you have to want it. The second ingredient was cinnamon. Now, cinnamon has a distinct smell. We just got through Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I know a lot of people made apple pie. Well, one of the main ingredients in apple pie is cinnamon and quite a bit of it. And when you walk into somebody's house, you know they're cooking with cinnamon. You don't have to ask. You know it's distinct, and it fills the whole house. I can be cooking in the kitchen, and I can go in my back bedroom, and I still smell cinnamon from in my kitchen. The Holy Spirit is distinct. He has a smell to him. You don't have to ask who he is or what he is. You know it, and you know where he's been. He can be in the kitchen, and you can smell him in the bathroom. There's a distinct separation. Third ingredient is sweet calamus, 250 shekels. Now, calamus is a reed-like plant. It grows in water. But the fascinating part about this plant is that when the storms come and the winds blow, they bend and they may even lay on the ground. But as soon as the sun comes up, that plant pops right back straight. It does not matter how hard the wind blew. It does not matter how strong that storm was. And it doesn't matter how long it laid down. As soon as the sun comes up, that plant will pop right back up straight. When you're filled with the Spirit and you walk in the anointing of God, you may bend, but you won't break. The power of God will pop you right back up. Set you back straight again. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 9 says, But we have the treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. The fourth is cassia. 500 shekels of cassia. Now there's two things I want to bring out about cassia. The one is what my dad talked about, and the other one is something that I found very interesting on my own. Cassia is a glue-like substance. It's sticky. Quite strong and sticky. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the anointing, you have that stick-to stability. You'll stick with it. Another thing that I want to add is cassia is a flowering tree. It has these huge, big old flowers on it. And I hope I don't butcher this. I think I did in the first service, and I probably will this service. I have tried to really pronounce this name. But it is Ayurvedic medicine. Once again, I probably butchered that, but you get it. It's medicine. <laughs> they use the flowers um, off of this tree. But one thing that I liked is what they, name, what they call these flowers on the cassia tree. They are called disease killers. I love that. The anointing of the Holy Spirit brings healing. But not only physical healing. Mental, 
emotional healing. It's a disease killer. No matter what this world may throw at you, no matter what Satan tries to put in your path, when you have the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have within you a disease killer. He will bring healing. And the fifth and final ingredient is olive oil. And one of the things about olive oil, it is also a source of healing. So you get a double dose. And I'm reminded of when the good Samaritan was on his way to Jerusalem and he came upon the battered man and in uh, Luke chapter 10. And in his wounds, he poured in the oil and the wine and it brought healing to him. But another thing that I liked when I found with olive oil, now olive oil is used for several different things. I cook with it. You all cook with it. I cook with olive oil. I like to use it for cooking. It's also in makeup and it's in some cleansers and it's got anti-aging properties. And I'm not saying if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you're going to look young, but it, it serves a purpose. But one of the, the, the things that caught my eye is that it is used for fuel in lamps. It keeps the fire burning, the anointing. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit will keep your light burning. It is fuel for the fighter. And as pastor has been talking, where there's smoke, and we pray, Lord, let the smoke fill your sanctuary. There's fire. You have to have that oil. And that oil is what fuels that fire. Acts 1 and 5 says, For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. And then John said in Luke chapter 3 and 16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Once again, Lord, set us on fire. Fill your house with your smoke. Burn, Lord, burn. You may say, but Shauna, is the Holy Spirit really for us today? We, we like to hear about, you know, the Lord, the joy of the Lord being our strength. And he gives us strength. He brings us joy and our walk with him. And Lord, you know, as long as I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. So isn't that the main goal? Yeah, it is. And to take others with us to witness. But he's offered us another gift that not only with the strength we can have power and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and is it for us today? Absolutely. I like this meme and I see it on Facebook quite a bit. It's kind of funny. They said, you know, do you need the Holy Spirit to get into heaven? Honey, I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. But it's for us today. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 and 39, he said, for the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I'm afar off. You're afar off. My children, they're those that are far off. My grandchildren that I don't even have yet are afar off. My great-grandchildren, it's for them too. We're those that are far off. And He is calling us. He's wanting to give this this precious gift we are living in the last days all you have to do is look around and 
now more than ever, we need Him and every aspect of Him. Every aspect. While when we choose to live holy, when we choose to set ourselves apart, when we choose to make Him joyous, and we walk in His way, we abide in Him, we stay in His Word, we hold on to His promises, we gain strength. And while we strive to live holy, it makes way for the Holy Spirit. If we seek Him, you have to seek Him. If we hunger for Him, and we allow Him to manifest and His anointing to flow in our lives, then we will receive power. Strength plus power equals unstoppable. We become an unstoppable force that the gates of hell cannot prevail. And not only that, not just in our personal life, that whatever Satan, you know, pushes our way or, or, or attacks us with, do we become unstoppable? People watch. I'm a people watcher. I watch people. I want to see how they react to certain situations. People watch. And then they want what you've got. It's like Kayla said, we can't take possessions with us, but we can take people with us. But if we don't have the strength, if we don't have the power and we're walking in a defeated walk with Christ, which should never happen, but a lot of the times we allow that because we don't do what He says to do. When we do that, people look at us and say, you're no better off than I am. But we need to get back to His ways. We need to get back to His law. We need to get back to repentance, get our strength, we need to get filled again with the Holy Spirit and get our power. And it's untelling how many we can take to heaven with us. First and foremost, if you'll please stand with me. I want to ask, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Him, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads or raise your hand or anything like that. But if there's anyone in here today that doesn't know Him, I want to introduce you to Him. altar is for you. If you feel that you need to repent and that it's tugging at your heart, this altar is for you. Those of you all that may know Him, but you're tired. You've seemed to have lost your strength. It's a struggle. You need to make Him joyful again. You need to get back His strength. This altar is for you. Let's just say you need a little extra oomph. Best way I know how to put it. But you're looking for that power that I was talking about. That manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That free-flowing anointing. This altar is for you. He has everything that you have need of. You just have to abide in Him. Strive to be holy. And it's simple. He'll guide and direct you in every way. Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you and I thank you above all for your word. 
Lord Jesus, I pray if there be anyone here that is not saved, let your conviction fall. Lord, bring them to an altar of repentance. Lord, those that need your strength. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now that they regain the strength in you. Lord, they regain that joy. And Lord, those that are not filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or need to be refilled, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would fill and refill, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit flow freely. Lord, I'll never fail to give you glory, honor, and praise. Join me at this altar. In